here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Well, the FBI did in fact send FBI agents, or should I say the DOJ did, to Biden's mansion in Wilmington, Delaware, um, when the private lawyers were looking for documents. But several of the DOJ personnel that were sent to Wilmington did not have clearance to view classified documents. Isn't that brilliant? No SWAT teams, nothing, no, no. They were just observers for a period of time. No independent searches. We've talked about this. Stick with us, folks. We're at least 48 hours ahead of the curve here. Now, the White House won't talk. National Archives told Mr. Comer they won't talk without approval from the DOJ. DOJ won't talk, and of course, the special counsel's office won't talk. So we're in the midst of a continuing cover-up. A continuing cover-up that started with November 2nd through the midterm election, through the holidays, to today. And you know who else has been silent? Ladies and gentlemen, Barack Obama hasn't said a word. And these are his documents. George Bush hasn't said anything. Wonder why. Bill Clinton hasn't said anything. Hillary Clinton, who normally can't keep her mouth shut, has kept her mouth shut. Where's Dick Cheney when we need him? He hasn't said anything. Bill Barr, who was ubiquitous in attacking Donald Trump, you might recall, and I pointed it out repeatedly, he's nowhere to be found. Maybe he's at the Golden Corral, Mr. Producer, at the uh, banquet food there, whatever they call it. Eric Holder? No, no Eric Holder. See all the top brass from prior administrations, including the top of the top brass? They've been awfully quiet. Why is that? There was Al Gore, 
at the Davos event. We'll get to him later. Literally going nuts, or he is nuts, just proving it once again. Nobody asked him. You have any documents there, Al? Classified or unclassified? No. Nobody's asked. But the cover-up continues. Jean-Pierre at the White House press briefing today. She gets mad. She gets mad. She's way over her head. At least Pasaki could lie with some level of class. Right, Mr. Producer? Not that she had class, but you get my point. Oh, she was a good liar. Oh, she could lie and lie. But this one, no. She has a tough time. She gets angry. There's a joke in there, but I better not say it. Jean-Pierre at the White House press briefing today. Cut nine, go. Thank you, Corinne. Yeah. I want to uh, reference an interview that President Biden did in mid-September with 60 Minutes. And in that interview, he chided former President Trump for having in his possession classified documents. He called it irresponsible. First of all, do you think it was proper for President Biden to comment on an ongoing DOJ investigation? So I'm going to say this, uh, and I'm going to keep it really short today, as it relates to this particular issue, as it relates to an ongoing uh, legal matter, I'm going to refer you to Department of Justice. Uh, Department now, of Justice. course, you know, and I know, this has nothing to do with that. He's just asking her about Biden's very well-publicized comments on 60 Minutes. And I think this Anita Dunn, who's head of communications, pulls the young lady, or whatever, into her office and tells her, do the rope-a-dope. We know you're dumb, just play dumb, okay? Okay, go ahead. With that specific, as it relates to uh, anything that you want to ask of us uh, about uh, this uh, this legal matter, I would refer you to the White House Counsel uh, Office. I'm, I'm going to leave it there. I'm not going to go I'm into further. And I just, I, I just commented. I just commented. We're moving on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I already answered your question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I did. Well, it's your, it's your opinion. It's your opinion. It's your opinion. That is your opinion. It's your opinion. I did comment. I said no comment. Go ahead. Go ahead. I said no comment. Go ahead. Jackie Heinrich of Fox was really good. To Jean-Pierre at the White House briefing today, cut 10, go. Since so many of our questions have been referred to the DOJ and to the White House Counsel's Office, I'm sure you can understand that we're in sort of information blackout where DOJ refers us to the special counsel. They're not holding any briefings. White House Counsel refers us to DOJ. So... If you are not able to talk about this from the podium, would you invite a DOJ official to take our questions here uh, to the briefing? No, you would have to go to the Department of Justice. That is not, it, this is a, a legal matter that is currently happening at the Department of Justice. And the president has been very, very clear when it comes to these types of legal I, matters. The first of all, the president is never clear. He's unhealthy. Let me put it that way. 
So don't keep telling us the president is clear. And he won't speak. Nobody's speaking. Wow. Cover up. Go ahead. He's not going to interfere. Uh, He wants to make sure that we give back the independence that the Department of Justice should have when it comes to these types of uh, investigations. So certainly they're giving back the independence Department of Justice. Unlike the prior administration, don't you know? Oh, yeah, that Merrick Garland, he's a completely independent professional. Go ahead. Uh, so I would refer you to the Department of Justice. I, I just I, I was just very clear. If you have any questions, I would refer you to the White House Counsel's Office. They did a call for 45 minutes yesterday, speaking to many of you. I believe there were more than 200 people on that call. Yeah, and they weren't and so, taking questions. They were spinning and spinning and spinning. Go ahead. You to my colleagues at the White House Counsel's Office. But on questions that you should be able to answer here that shouldn't have to go to any other agency or entity, can you tell us if there's any sort of assessment that has been planned or launched to determine if national security has been jeopardized at all? Again, that's for the Department of Why Justice. Why is it a DOJ and, and, it's, and let's be clear, it's not your decision to make of what I can or can't answer from She's here. She's asking you I, if you referred it for a review. Now, that was all leaked all over the Trump stuff. You can't even mention if it's been referred for review? No, you'll have to go to White House counsel. They're not coming. Well, um, that's not proper here. We're, we believe in an independent Department of Justice. Except, of course, when it comes to parents and pro-lifers and January 6th and Mar-a-Lago and the Republican state legislatures. Otherwise, we believe in an independent Department of Justice. That's why we've appointed every radical, unhinged, self-righteous kook that we could gobble up from the Obama years to the most senior positions. We believe in an independent Department of Justice. Independent from us, that will leave us alone. Go ahead. We are respecting the process. We are being prudent from here. There is an investigation currently happening. And when there is, when there are investigations that are happening that the DOJ is is, uh, currently reviewing or looking at, we have been very consistent to say. No, you haven't. Yeah, you have. Biden's commented about January 6th over and over again. He commented about Mar-a-Lago, that phony investigation. And he's commented about that over and over again. What are you talking about, nitwit? Go ahead. To go to the Department of Justice. With NSC or with any other intelligence Again, agency? I would I refer you. I would, it's, very, it's, Again, it's very clear. We take is, this very seriously. Very, very seriously. I take it seriously. The president takes it seriously. For six years he had those documents. He took them very, very seriously. He takes his Corvette seriously. Very seriously. And uh, we're not going to interfere with the independence of the Department of Justice. We've consistently said we're not going to interfere. We take it very seriously, you know. If you have a legal question, ask the Department of Justice. They won't answer. Ask the White House Counsel. They won't answer. Go to the archives. They won't answer. Well, then, 
Next question. Go ahead. I just laid out. There is no, there should be no confusion here. There, there is a legal process happening, and I would refer to Wait a minute, to there's Department a legal process? Yes, there's a legal process happening. Now, Senator Chris Van Hollen on CNN today. Cut 13, go. What questions do you have for the Biden White House on the classified documents that have now been found at an office and his private residence? Have they been forthcoming enough? I do, John, think they've been forthcoming. I mean, as yes, they take it very seriously. They've been very, very forthcoming. After six years of documents, retention, six years, and a leak to CBS and then NBC and subsequent leaks, they've been very forthcoming and transparent, working, coordinating in their cover-up with the Department of Injustice. Go ahead. New documents. Uh, they've reported that. Uh, they've provided the documents to the National See how Archive. this is all turned on its head? Because the Democrats are good at the big lie. This guy's had these documents for over six years. Trump had them for less than one. Trump and his people, everybody knew he had the documents at the FBI and the archives and everything. They're negotiating. But they try and turn it into a criminal enterprise. After two months, they then get a warrant. They warrant. And there is the FBI SWAT team with semi-automatic weapons. First thing in the morning, sirens going, lights going, flashing. No heads up to Trump's lawyers. No heads up. Trump's out of town, and they go into his home. And so they want you to be, well, that's obstruction. Well, that's obstruction. Yeah, I got that. That's obstruction. And then when it comes to Biden... Six years. Uh, they're in the, uh, you know, the Biden Penn Communist China Center. Well, who looked from where? Well, the lawyers. Why did they look? I don't know. Asked the department. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not telling. I don't know. This is a legal matter. I'm sure the FBI swooped in to do an investigation. No, I left it to the private lawyers. I'm sure the private lawyers had clearance. No, not exactly. Oh, so the FBI goes here just to take the documents. That's correct. Did all the FBI officials have a clearance? No, not exactly. Oh, okay. Well, did you issue a subpoena at that time? No. Then, almost seven weeks later, oops, what, what? The private lawyers contacted us. What's wrong? December 20, what? We found classified documents in the garage. The garage? You mean the FBI didn't investigate the Wilmington mansion that the Bidens have? No, they they didn't. No subpoenaed, no. No, no FBI warrant, no, no, no. We rely on the good faith transparency of Biden. Oh. Then last said, more document? More Another one. More doctor. Yeah, five more. Five more after. Oh, FBI take it. No, no. No. And he's been so transparent about his law breaking. It's unbelievable. 
Joe Biden's been so transparent about, about the law. Unlike Trump, he's been transparent every step of the way. When we find more and more classified information, we've said, look what we found. It's like Easter. You know, we're, we're going after Easter. Oh, we got the eggs. Very transparent. Didn't you hear it? With the reporters, very transparent. More when I return. Mark Lovin. If you've saved at least $100,000 for retirement, Augusta Precious Metals could help you protect it with a gold IRA. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. No pressure, just facts. Retirees have it worse because there's no time to catch up when the value of what you've saved for decades is crashing. But you can protect yourself with physical gold from Augusta Precious Metals. If you have at least $100,000 saved in your IRA or your 401k, please call my friends at Augusta Precious Metals today. They'll send you a free gold IRA guide. Call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Tell them I sent you and they'll pay all your fees for up to 10 years. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision and visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. Ladies and gentlemen, there's even more. You know, the Biden attorney who found the documents originally in the closet at the Biden Penn Communist Center, was interviewed by the feds, and the feds didn't do a 302 summary report. 302 summary report is sort of the bread and butter of what the FBI does. They take uh, notes. They make a, uh, a brief brief summary or comments about the interview for as long as they wish it to be and in this case they took no notes they took no notes I said they took no notes we don't know who went into Biden's home the FBI took no notes the FBI never did a search I'll be right back. If you've saved at least $100,000 for retirement, Augusta Precious Metals could help you protect it with a gold IRA. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. No pressure, just facts. Retirees have it worse because there's no time to catch up when the value of what you've saved for decades is crashing. But you can protect yourself with physical gold from Augusta Precious Metals. If you have at least $100,000 saved in your IRA or your 401k, please call my friends at Augusta Precious Metals today. They'll send you a free gold IRA guide. Call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Tell them I sent you, and they'll pay all your fees for up to 10 years. That's 877 4 gold ira consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision and visit augustapreciousmetals.com for risk disclosures mark levin tough as hell that's why i like mark levin and i'm not sure a lot of people like him he's tough as hell but i like him 
I love them. Call in now. 877-381-3811. The Daily Wire. Biden attorney interviewed by feds. Personal attorney to Joe Biden, but they didn't use a form to summarize the interview. Cover up. Telling you. Patrick Moore, the attorney identified as the one who initially found classified materials while packing up Biden's former think tank information, carried the same, let's say, excuse me, a source briefed on the matter said Moore gave non-classified personal documents to the National Archives that included speeches and reference materials sent from the Biden, the Penn Biden Center to the attorney's law office in Boston. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced last week he appointed, oh yeah, I know all this, we know all this. The documents, some of which have top secret materials, date back to Biden's time as vice president. Anyway, this is what's happened. There's more. So they didn't use the 302 form that the FBI uses because they didn't want it discovered. Then the Hill, the National Archives says it must consult with the Department of Justice before sharing information related to Biden documents with Congress. National Archives told the House Republicans it must first consult with the DOJ. The Archives has to determine whether sharing the details with lawmakers would compromise the criminal probe into the matter. Wrote Acting Archivist Deborah Steidel Wall in a letter to House Oversight and Accountability Committee Chairman James Comer. And so uh, what basically the National Archives is saying now is, uh, sorry, but you can't do oversight. Because of transparency. Because we're so responsive. Because we're, we're so committed to getting to the truth. They can't comment without DOJ input. DOJ has put an iron curtain around this. DOJ covered this up for exactly 63 days before it was leaked to CBS News. DOJ covered it up while they were appointing a special counsel to go after Trump. DOJ covered it up. DOJ covered it up through the midterm election, and DOJ is still covering it up. Right now. You see how they have all the corners covered. So the National Archives, which couldn't wait to comment on Donald Trump, yeah, yeah, we, 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 we protected all of Obama's documents. <laughs> Except, of course, for the ones that we didn't. But there's an ongoing investigation. Why are you speaking? Because it's Trump, and we're going to speak all we want. Don't try and silence us. Well, now they want to do oversight of Biden. Sorry, we uh, we have to check with the uh, Department of Justice on this one. So no 302. The archives is covering up. No FBI independent search for documents at any of the Biden facilities. Think about this. No subpoena, let alone warrant. No SWAT team. No search. Nothing. Isn't that amazing? And then we're told it's transparent. If there's six years of this, very transparent. That's the difference, you know. Trump committed 
Yes, genocide in covering up these documents was the most unbelievable thing. And Joe, well, Joe, Joe's trying it's, it's, you know, lunch bucket Joe. The Democrats will support anyone and support anything as long as they're Democrats. No matter how preposterous and imbecilic and insane they sound and are. It's the truth. They know as well as you do that Joe Biden isn't all there. They don't care. They know as well as you do that Kamala Harris is a moron. They know it, but they don't care. They know as well as you do that the spokes idiot for the idiot is an idiot, but they don't care. They don't care. Republicans have been riled by the discovery of Biden's classified documents and called Democrats hypocritical for not exhibiting the same outrage they showed over Trump's document dilemma. They've also accused the archives and other government agencies of bias in their responses to the two scandals. They're right. This wall responded to the GOP concerns in her letter, specifically homing in on Comer's allegations that the archives conducted its work with a political bias, but publicly addressing Trump's violations and not doing the same for Biden. Wall said the archives treats all communications with DOJ and with former and current presidents as presumptively confidential. No, they don't. They've politicized everything, even the National Archives. Only when those topics were subsequently reported publicly in the press did NARA begin to respond to queries And only then in a manner that would not harm the integrity of the DOJ investigations, she said. That's a lie. Um, they jumped into the Obama thing. Nobody queried them. And just because they're queried doesn't mean they have to answer the questions. But a congressional oversight committee. So you see, you see the plan. The plan is to delay, obstruct counterattack that's the plan across the board with the Biden administration while at the same time there are morons like Van Hollen will go out and tell you the opposite of what's taking place they responded immediately and they're transparent unlike Trump you know they're very cooperative Uh, Wall in the letter to Comer emphasized that while the archives is the repository for presidential materials, the archives does not keep track of records before they're handed over for safekeeping. Well, that's interesting. Since they put out a statement defending Obama and told, said they had all of his millions of documents, clearly they hadn't checked. They're liars. Cover up. They're liars. Cover up. Then we have this, as I pull this all together. From just the news, Obama ethics chief slams Biden's inexcusable neglect of the most basic security protocols. Shocking, I know, but at least somebody's trying to keep his or her reputation. It's nothing like Trump's deliberate refusal to return classified records demanded by the National Archives, but Biden's own retention of classified records reflects an inexcusable neglect of the most basic security protocols, says the uh, Obama, Obamanoid. 
No, it's nothing like Trump, because Trump was the one who was transparent. The FBI came in, they looked around, they said, put another padlock on there, they're negotiating what they felt would belong or not belong to the government. And I might add that Jim Trustee told us Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin that they wouldn't even give President Trump a skiff, which is where you put these sorts of materials because former presidents have a right to have access to them. So they're right about that. And they knew where they were. They were in one place, not 27 places. Now, after the break, there's been a lot of talk about whether a president, a vice president, has the power to classify and declassify. USA Today put out a piece citing a leftist national security organization, so-called, and they in turn cite an Obama 2009 executive order, which is quite long, thorough. Now we know where a fake tapper got his information from, probably this left-wing organization. Well, of course Joe Biden can classify and declassify. There's an executive order that says he can. Now, keep one thing in mind before I get to that after the break. There's no question the president does. The Supreme Court has ruled that way. The way separation of powers is set up, the president has plenary executive power. He is the executive. The vice president is not the executive unless the president dies or unless the president is incapable of governing. Sort of like this president, but this president gets a pass. But you get my point. So there are no real exigent circumstances here. I don't believe Obama had those issues. So it's one thing to say that if you classify the document, you have the authority to declassify it, or if you follow statutory procedures over there at the CIA or the National Security Council or the NSA or the FBI or wherever, uh, here are the procedures put in place so forth to apply to subordinates. But that is separate and apart from the power a president has as a result of being the head of the executive branch to classify or declassify at will. At will. Perfect example would be Let's say you have a a fairly senior executive at the State Department who has classified information and then provides that classified information, perhaps by mistake, in a discussion with another foreign diplomat. That's a violation of federal law. Let's say the president is having the same discussion with that foreign diplomat and he reveals classified information. That is not a violation of federal law. Got it? Let's say the vice president is having a discussion with that same diplomat, and he reveals classified information. That is a violation of federal law, because the vice president does not have the power that the president has As the head of the executive branch, separation of powers, he does not have the power 
to disclose that information. You understand what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? There are certain powers a president cannot delegate. For instance, the president cannot delegate and say, you know what, uh, I really don't think I can handle this commander-in-chief stuff. You know, Kamala, I'm delegating the authority for you to handle all my commander-in-chief responsibilities. He can't do that. You know what, Kamala, my reading has gotten very poor. I can't read these briefings on these different candidates. I'll tell you what. You nominate the people to the Supreme Court. I can't really do that anymore. My eyesight, you know, he can't do that. You know what, Kamala? I don't want to give the State of the Union address. Why? Because reruns of Lost in Space are on, and I want to watch that. It's a Biden tradition. She can't just give the State of the Union address because the president chooses not to. And the vice president can't declassify and classify information on his own. Only the president can. So USA Today, get your stupid, corrupt, journalistic act together. And Jake Tapper, that'll never happen for you. You're just a fake. That's the way it is. Now hopefully Jonathan Turley or one of the others will repeat this on Fox and then they might repeat it on the five, Mr. Producer. Because it's very important. It's a very important point. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you've saved at least $100,000 for retirement, Augusta Precious Metals could help you protect it with a gold IRA. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? They'll tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. No pressure, just facts. Retirees have it worse because there's no time to catch up when the value of what you've saved for decades is crashing. But you can protect yourself with physical gold from Augusta Precious Metals. If you have at least $100,000 saved in your IRA or your 401k, please call my friends at Augusta Precious Metals today. They'll send you a free gold IRA guide. Call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Tell them I sent you, and they'll pay all your fees for up to 10 years. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA. Consult with your financial professional before making an investment decision and visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com for risk disclosures. We do things differently here. That's why we've been here 20 years. We don't follow the leader. We are the leader. No offense. Harmeet Dillon, who is running for the RNC chair, she will be on the program later this evening as well. What, how much time do I have? Well, that's not going to work. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I only have 30 seconds left. There's a lot more to get to, although we're not going to leave this subject completely. Uh, where is the special counsel investigating the Biden crime family? And why is the so-called special counsel still investigating January 6th? We have a killer, killer, Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday. I know it's only Wednesday. Stephen A. Smith and Secretary of State, former 
Mike Pompeo and my opening statement. It is going to be killer. 8 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. And by the way, we were number one the entire night, Saturday, Sunday. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. A couple weeks ago, I saw a local story out of Northern Virginia about how the Fairfax County school system particularly this Thomas Jefferson High School, which is considered the number one high school in the country, or was until about a year ago, that um, they held back these National Merit Commended Scholar notices. So these students who were top of the top wouldn't be able to use that information and getting selected by top universities and colleges and wouldn't be able to seek scholarships either. And one of the reasons this took place is because it was felt by the educational bureaucracy in Fairfax County that too many of these kids were Asian. And also we've since learned from the great attorney general of Virginia that that Fairfax County hired a a DEI individual. That's the new name, DEI. These are the uh, these are the enforcers of wokeism and critical race theory and and all the rest of it for four hundred and fifty five thousand dollars for nine months, and it was in part his idea. And so the superintendent, it appears that the superintendent of schools in Fairfax County embraced this. I want you to think about how much damage that does to students. I want you to think about how much damage that does to students who spend their entire pre-college, pre-university careers working hard, following the rules, studying every night, every weekend to be the best that they can. I want you to think about if you're an athlete and you have broken your back to be the best football player, basketball player, golfer, whatever it is, swimmer, and yet that that achievement is taken from you. It's taken from you. Or anybody out there who works hard, you want to be the best plumber, the best electrician, you want to be the best at what you do. 
and the people who are supposed to help you. Sabotage you. Now we pay for these schools, ladies and gentlemen, and they act like they're independent of us, independent of the taxpayers and independent of the parents. And this equity stuff, which is Marxism, I didn't say equality, I said equity stuff, it's Marxism. About equal outcomes. Is destroying your kids. And it's going to destroy young people and whatever they pursue, and of course it's going to destroy you. They treat us like machines. What it really is, if you take the time, and I confess it's not the easiest read, is Plato's Republic. Read Plato's Republic. Read Plato's Republic. Years ago I told you about John Adams. John Adams used to quote and cite, he said, you know, Plato was a genius, which he was. Read Plato's Republic. There's been a lot of debate on whether Plato's Republic was was an intentional uh, illustration of a republic favored by Plato, or if it was the opposite. Much like Thomas More's Utopia. And I believe it was the latter. Plato was trying to demonstrate how these social engineers destroy humanity. And if you were to read Ameritopia, my third book, but my second no, that's the third book. It's the fourth book, actually, but the third book on a serious subject. Or I should say, excuse me, a scholarly subject. It's laid out right there, from Marxism to Utopianism, Plato's Republic, you name it. Call it whatever you will, that's what we're in the middle of right now. Merit doesn't matter. Meritocracy is over. Here we have from Twitchy, 16 high schools in Northern Virginia delayed notifying students of their national merit recognition. This is a story we made national two weeks ago from the one school. Now we learn there's 16 schools. Twitchy reported back on December 23, parent Asra Nomani learned that her son was a National Merit Commended Scholar two years after he earned the award. Seems it was all about the school's push for equity and targeted Asian students. That's a big deal. National Merit Awards look very good on college applications, and there are National Merit Scholarships on the line. You'll see some tweets in this piece that they have at Twitchy. That 13 Northern Virginia schools have been found to have delayed notification, but according to 7 News D.C., the number jumped to 16 yesterday. 16. High schools. Now, obviously, Governor Yunkin is furious about this. The Attorney General has opened an investigation. Not the Attorney General of the United States. You know, he investigates parents. No, the Attorney General of Virginia. whether or not civil rights laws are violated, state civil rights laws, potentially federal. 
And I would say this to the parents who are affected by this. You should consider some kind of civil action against the school district. The members of the school board and the superintendent. Don't look for a slip and fall ambulance chasing lawyer who will milk you for everything you're worth. And then seek the publicity. Look for a quiet, serious lawyer. Not necessarily quiet in the courtroom, but does his or her work. Maybe a former member of the prosecutorial staff of the state prosecutor's office in your uh, county. But whomever. And sue them for money damages. Now, you could lose. Some judge might say that the money damages are speculative as you try and figure out the cost to your child's career or a scholarship that he or me, she or he may have received. But nonetheless, they did great damage to your children. And they're doing damage to children throughout the Northern Virginia school districts, as they are in so many school districts in this country. That school district, obviously, as these others in Northern Virginia, surround or surround the side across the Potomac of Washington, D.C. And as much as parents are fighting, they are having to deal with these Educational bureaucrats, who are the best bureaucrats at what they do, cover up, dissemble, flat out lie, and that's what they do. Now, as a societal matter, this can't go on if we are going to be a prosperous and successful society. You cannot have a country where children are held back purposely, where the smartest among them do not have educational opportunities that challenge them. A country cannot succeed that way. On top of the sexualizing students, on top of the, of the racializing students, on top of destroying student patriotism for American history in the country, punishing them for being successful, for being smart. You don't go to a football game where they take the best running back on the field and hold him back and say, uh, you have to wait three seconds before you run. Do you? Have we lost all all desire to be competitive? To base success on merit? Well, something's gone damn wrong. So these bureaucrats need to be held accountable. They need to be held accountable. And it's not just happening in Northern Virginia. I don't know what the hell's going on there. I mean, you got Fairfax County, Loudoun County, four of their high schools. Remember the rape situation, the double rape situation in Loudoun County? Remember that? Critical race theory, sexualization, 
20 years ago, when we moved to Loudoun County, it was a heavily Republican county. It wasn't heavily populated. They built the subway system close enough to Loudoun County. They massively expanded the cloud where 80% of the Internet traffic goes through Loudoun County. Silicon Valley, in many ways, and Amazon use Loudoun County as their second headquarters. The bureaucrats from Washington more and more moved into Loudoun County. Loudoun County is now a Democrat county in less than 20 years, probably 10 years. 10 years. And the schools reflect it. The schools are being destroyed from within. That Stonebridge High School, where that punk raped the girl in the girls' room, my kids went to that high school. It's considered one of the best high schools in the state. Now look what they've done to it. Look what they've done to our bathrooms. Look what they've done to our gym showers for the kids. Look what they've done to our libraries with the filth. Look what they've done with assemblies, with drag queens. Look what they've done to Martin Luther King's dream of a colorblind society with critical race theory. They've destroyed it. Look what they've done to merit. When it comes to merit scholarship awards, national merit awards, look. All in the name of what? They're destroying our country. And they're brainwashing your kids to turn them against you. There's a fantastic, yet again, expose by Project Veritas, our friend James O'Keefe, this is why they want to shut them down at the FBI, the Stasi, the Biden administration, going after Project Veritas because involuntarily they come into possession of his granddaughter's, what is it, notebook? Whatever it is. What was it? Diary. Oh, so they send out the, uh, the jackboots to get it. He gave it to them. He didn't even want it. But even if he did, he has a right to it. He's the press. You don't have to be the Holocaust-denying New York Times to be the press, you know. And he, he exposes yet again What's taking place in our schools? Dr. Quinton Bostic, teaching lab headquarters director in Georgia, he's created this curriculum. And this curriculum is critical race theory ideology taught to kindergartners. Kindergartners. And yet, in the state of Georgia, it's unlawful to teach critical race theory. So you know what he does? He changes the name. 
and he laughs about it, calls the governor Kemp an idiot. He mocks them. He's getting rich. He's going around state law. I'm sure he's not the only one. And the school districts in Fulton County and Cobb County, the most populous counties in and around Atlanta, they're buying this stuff left and right. And they know they shouldn't, but they buy it anyway. Because parents are stupid, see. That's what he says. Stupid. And uh, this is the problem. The educational bureaucracy is radical left Marxists. They're completely out of control. And they don't give a damn what you think. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, that's L-E-V-I-N podcast, to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N podcast. Pure Talk is simply smart. Smarter Wireless. How much time we have, Mr. Producer? All right, I was talking in, in furtherance of what I was saying last segment. Dr. Quinton Bostic, Teaching Lab Headquarters Director, creating curriculum for these, these massive school districts in Atlanta, in and around Atlanta. Cut 20, go. He also claims that parents are ignorant, and the goal of his curriculum is to have the students go against their parents. I hate to say it, but like, parents are teachers. Parents are ignorant. They are. And so you're making money off of ignorant parents. And these kids are also pushing against their parents, too. Like, mom, that's not right. You shouldn't say that. Well, that's the goal. Yeah, eventually. To get the parents to like kids. To get the kids to influence their parents to make the shift too. So if, if parents aren't coming to the schools, then the teachers can go and see what they want, right? It's clear that Dr. Quentin Bostic is willing to use deceptive measures to push his agenda on young students. So they want the kids fighting with their parents. And they want the kids rejecting the teachings of their parents. And they want the kids to regurgitate the racism, their hate for American culture, the rejection of American history of the Marxist left. That is what they're being taught today, right now. I'll be right back. 
If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. You're listening to Denali. The Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. You know, we've been talking about the electrical grid here for years before people even knew what the hell the electrical grid was. The protection of the electrical grid. We've talked about it for years before people even knew what the hell we were talking about. And we've also said, I, that California does not have the electrical power to do what Newsom and the other losers keep saying about expanding the use of electricity. That California's power grid simply can't handle it. It can barely handle what it's dealing with today. And here's a piece from calmatters.org by Nadia Lopez. Race to zero. Can California's power grid handle a 15-fold increase in electric cars? Now, this isn't just California. You have state after state that has tied its legislative activity to California's. So this is like a Jim Jones situation when it comes to electricity. They all swear allegiance to California. Despite expecting 12.5 million electric cars by 2035... California officials insist that the grid can provide enough electricity, but that's based on multiple assumptions, including building solar and wind at almost five times the pace of the past decade. That may not be realistic. As California rapidly boosts sales of electric cars and trucks over the next decade, the answer is a critical que- to a critical question remains uncertain. Will there be enough electricity to power them? And state officials claim that 12.5 million electric vehicles expected on California's roads in 2035 will not strain the grid. But their confidence that the state can avoid brownouts relies on a best-case, some say unrealistic scenario. And they've been so good at these predictions in the past, haven't they? Massive and rapid construction of offshore wind and solar farms and drivers charging their cars in off-peak hours. Now, this is ridiculous. Under a groundbreaking new state regulation, 35% of new 2026 car models sold in California must be zero emissions. Well, first of all, even electric cars aren't zero emissions because in order to build them and their batteries takes a lot of emissions. But putting that aside, ramping up to 100% in 2035, 100%. What a state. 
Powering the vehicles means the state must triple the amount of electricity produced and deploy new solar and wind energy at almost five times the pace of the past decade. The Air Resources Board enacted the mandate last August, and just six days later, these are these little pull-up bureaus, and just six days later, California's power grid was so taxed by heat waves that an unprecedented 10-day emergency alert warned residents to cut electricity use or face outages. The juxtaposition of the mandate and the grid crisis sparked widespread skepticism. How can the state require Californians to buy electric cars? They compel it if the grid couldn't even supply enough power to make it through the summer. Well, that's global uh, climate change there, you know, fella. The same time as electrifying cars and trucks, California must, under state law, shift all of its power to renewables by 2045. Adding even more pressure, the state's last nuclear power plant, Diablo Canyon, is slated to shut down in 2030. This is suicide. California's committing suicide. And they want the whole country to do the same. With 15 times more electric cars expected on California's roads in 12 years, the amount of power they consume will grow exponentially. But the California Energy Commission says it will remain a small fraction of all the power used during peak hours, jumping from 1% in 2022 to 5% in 2030, 10% in 2035. But in setting those projections, the state agencies responsible for providing electricity, the California Energy Commission, the California Independent System Operator, and the California Public Utilities Commission, and utility companies are relying on multiple assumptions that are highly uncertain. That is, unlikely. We're going to have to expand the grid at a radically much faster pace, said David Victor, a professor and co-director of the Deep Car- uh, Car- Decarbonization Initiative. This is plausible if the right policies are in place, but it's not guaranteed. It's best case. Yet the Energy Commission has not yet developed such policies or plans, drawing intense critics. In other words, they don't even have plans to do this to produce the electricity, even if you could. We're not yet on track if we just take a laissez-faire approach with the market that will not get there, said Sachavan Maya. Sachavan Maya! Sachavan Maya! A retired UC Berkeley electrical engineer professor who specializes in power grids. Well, he or she is doing a fantastic job with the power grid out there in California. The state, she said, is moving too slowly to fix the obstacles in uh, setting new clean energy in, uh, plants and transmission lines. Planning and permitting is very urgent, she said. Oh, you don't see. Now, to provide enough electricity in California, convince drivers to charge their cars during off-peak hours with new discount rates, Build solar and wind at an unprecedented pace. Shifting to all renewables requires at least 6 gigawatts of new resources a year for the next 25 years, a pace that's never been met anywhere before. Man, but we can do it. Let's just put our shoulder to the millstone. Develop a giant new industry. State officials predict offshore wind farms and while they're killing whales and so forth. And they're absolutely beautiful. Have you ever seen them, Mr. Producer? They're gorgeous. And the sounds. Just terrific. 
They'll provide enough power for about one and a half million homes by 2030, 25 million homes by 2045. Any predictions they make, any predictions they make 20, 25 years from now, that is a joke. But no such projects are in the works yet. Oh, hello. Planning them, obtaining an array of permits and construction could take at least seven to eight years. Build 15 times more public chargers. Oh, yeah. Uh, 1.2 million chargers will be needed for the 8 million electric cars expected in California. 1.2 million chargers for 8 million cars, Mr. Bidith? Currently, there's about 80,000 public chargers that operate state. Why would anybody follow the idiots in this state that run this state? Remember their public transportation? The multi-billions they spent? Remember two years ago they had a surplus? Now they have the worst deficit in the country? They in New York and Illinois? Why would anybody listen to these clowns? Expand vehicle-to-grid technology. State officials hope electric cars will send energy back to the grid. Well then, and I, myself, I'm hoping popcorn can turn into gold, Mr. Producer. I truly am. This is a joke. Total electricity consumed by Californians is expected to surge by 96% over the next 20 years. While net demand during peak hours is projected to increase 60%. Southern California Edison worries that if drivers charge during late summer afternoons, electric vehicles could strain the grid. So they're on, they're on alert. They're warning them. It won't matter. This is an ideology. This is a false religion. A hundred years from now, maybe 50, maybe 200, people are going to look back and say, what the hell were you thinking? What were you thinking? And so they weren't. They pretend they believe in science and they don't. They pretend they use knowledge and they don't. These are all result-oriented suicide plots for California and any other state that goes this way, and many of them will, but, but Biden and his party are pushing the entire nation in this direction. The entire nation. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If one of your goals this year is to do business with companies who share your values, then hop on the Pure Talk bandwagon. Pure Talk, my cell phone company, is the antidote to woke wireless. That's why they're proudly veteran-owned, why they proudly employ a U.S.-based customer service team, and why they refuse to spend their money on fake news networks. And I haven't even started talking about the service, It Kicks Butt, one of the largest networks in the country. You're going to get blazing fast data, talk, and text for just 30 bucks a month. That's probably half of what you're paying Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Keep your phone, keep your number, and switch over in as little as 10 minutes. Plus, Pure Talk has a first-month risk-free guarantee. Try it, and if you're not completely happy with your Pure Talk service, you'll get your money back. Support a company that supports you. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. 
So they're meeting in Davos. I never used to care about this, but now I do. Billionaires, industrialists, union bosses, politicians, former politicians, all demagogues, all propagandists. And they're trying to figure out how to make you poorer. Climate change, they've got that going. But how to impose it on you. Here is Al Gore. I want you to listen to this. Cut to go. In my country, we passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which is primarily a climate uh, act, $369 billion, which will actually be much larger than that because the heavy lifting is done by tax credits that uh, are very long-term. Some of them actually open-ended. Uh, and the early investments that have already been triggered by it uh, give a great deal of reason, uh, many reasons for b- believing it's going to be much larger than $369 billion. So I'm very encouraged by that. They are desperate to send, spend trillions and trillions and trillions on this. They're very proud of all the money that's being spent. These people are becoming enormously wealthy. This is Marxism front and center. John Kerry. John Kerry now thinks he's uh, Moses, thinks he's a prophet of some sort. Maybe Maimonides. 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 Cut three, go. Frankly, we wanted to do more than what we've already done in the Inflation Act, which is extraordinary. Mm. President Biden started at a trillion plus. That's a 369. It's actually going to be a lot more than that. So you hear this? So Gore and Kerry are telling you that what they passed is actually a hell of a lot more. Go ahead. It's not amount, so, so you know, conscribed. It's it's uh, how many how many people qualify for the tax credit. So you could go up to eight hundred billion conceivably. That's going to kick things into gear. What is this really a war on? You know, John Kerry is a billionaire, and he never earned a penny of that on his own. Al Gore is worth millions, and he's made millions doing this as a false prophet. Gustavo Francisco Petro Orego is the president of Colombia. He lets the cat out of the bag. Cut four, go. Can the capitalism that we have known in the last 30, 40 years overcome the climate crisis that the capitalism helped create? It's a rhetorical question, but it also makes sense, because if the answer is no, then we're wasting our time as we reach the normal return point. The capitalism that we know nowadays has a driving force and logic. And that is to increase our profits in such a way, and that's how we talk about history, to regulate everything without political or social boundaries. And that's the one we have. This has resulted in some sort of global anarchy. So we're on capitalism. I've told you this from day one. That's what it is. It's the degrowth movement born out of Europe. And of course, they keep going back to Europe for the Davos meetings. This is the degrowth anti-capitalism movement begun half a century ago in the name of climate change. The same commie cut five, go. 
The only source of energy to increase profit is carbon, oil and gas, coal, oil and gas. And this has resulted in a change in our atmosphere. We have to put an end to this if we wish to live in our planet. Can our capitalism do this? Based on the current data, we won't be able to do so. Therefore, perhaps we should do the following reflection. If capitalism is unable to do so, either humanity will die with it, or humanity will overcome capitalism so that we can live in our planet. There you go. In two languages. There you go. There's no question about it. He's just more blunt. This is what the Democrat Party stands for. It's an anti-capitalism party. This is American Marxism. Exactly what I wrote about in the book. This isn't about the environment. It never has been. It's not about clean air and clean water. It never has been. It's not about asthma. It never has been. It's attacking the capitalist market system. Attacking gas stoves and automobiles and, and on and on and on. That's what it is. More when I return. In this economy, we all need as much help as we can get. If you own a business, you're looking for ways to survive. Innovation refunds can help. Small business owners, please listen up. You can be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of your taxes. Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are highly trained in this little-known payroll tax refund program and have already returned $1 billion to businesses, and they can help you, too. Go to GetRefunds.com. They do all the work with no charge up front. They simply charge a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Go to GetRefunds.com. Click on Qualify Me and answer a few questions. It's that simple. Now, this payroll tax refund is only available for a very limited amount of time. So check it out right away. GetRefunds.com. That's GetRefunds.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. I want to read this to you from the New York Post. Florida Representative Greg Stubbe, who I'm told is a very nice man and a very solid conservative, hospitalized after falling off his roof. Congressman Greg Stubbe was hospitalized after he fell off the roof of his Florida home. According to a report, the incident was first reported by Florida politics journalist Peter Schrosch who said Stubbe was found outside his Sarasota home by a part-time aide of his colleague, Representative Vern Buchanan. 
The aide made the discovery while working his second job as an Amazon delivery driver. It's unclear what condition Stubbe is in at this time. The New York Post has reached out to his congressional office for comment. Geez, I hope he's okay. But I don't like the way this article sounds so far. That he was found. That he was found. First elected to Congress in 2018, Stubbe was sworn in earlier this month to serve his third term in the lower chamber, representing Florida's 17th Congressional District. He previously served for two years in the Florida Senate and six years in the Florida House. Congressman Greg Stubbe's aide found him after he fell off the roof of his home. Before launching his political career, Stubbe served in the armed forces as an airborne infantry officer and a JAG Corps officer from 2004 to 2008, and as the chief of detainee operations for Multinational Division North in Iraq with the 25th Infantry Division from 2006 to 2007. This guy's a hero. During the 2021 Congressional Baseball Game, Stubbe belted a rare out-of-the-park home run in the annual Democrat vs. Republican grudge match. The game demonstrated his athletic prowess as he also took the mound and tossed 120 pitches over five and two-thirds innings as the starting pitcher for the Republican side. We'll keep an eye on this during the course of the next hour if any information becomes available, but the silence of his office and others and the fact that, I look, I don't know, that he was found having fallen off the roof. This is, uh, obviously, he's very badly hurt. And we wish, we wish him well, of course. This uh, Davos event continues, and among other things, the World Economic Forum. It's really a grotesque operation where all these oligarchs from different parts of the world and different cultural backgrounds and the rest of it, they have a private jet, they get over there, and they meet. Well, Joe Manchin was there at the World Economic Forum yesterday. And among the other things they've been discussing with Brian Stelter as the moderator, we played some of that yesterday, it's just a pathetic and sickening joke, is how to control disinformation and misinformation, in other words, free speech. And you would have thought the chairman of the New York Times, Schulzberger, the 17th, would be defending free speech, but no. Considering his news corporation covered up the Holocaust, and promoted Stalin and Castro, I guess. I guess they feel no regrets. But let's take a look. What did Manchin say? Cut six, go. The problem that we have is the open press system and basically all the platforms. So if you're able to have five platforms, social platforms, that you can basically um, personify the extremes somebody who is extremely right or extremely left and it seems like that is the majority speaking they're not the majority but they're basically driving everybody to make a decision what side are you on are you on this side or this side and in america there's only one side the american side it's not the republican side or democrat we should be coming together to solve the problems from a different angle 
It's not possible when your party's trying to destroy the country and sexualize our children and throw parents in prison and fund abortion on demand, even infanticide. What are we to come together about? One party hates America, and the rest of us love America. So the problem here, of course, is the, he says, that we have an open press system. And trust me when I tell you, the New York Times and the Washington Post agree with him. They agree with him. They want to eliminate conservative talk radio. They want to eliminate Fox. They want to eliminate competition. Apparently, somebody said to him, what the hell are you talking about? Why aren't you there talking about free speech? Well, he was on Fox Business today, and here's what he said in response to what he said before. Cut seven, go. I totally apologize because it was I didn't explain it properly. That was the problem. The open press that we have, which is absolutely the, the, the bedrock of democracy, okay? But there's so much, there's so much access. So uh, it used to be to where something was said and it was accepted and that was it. Now it's said to where you can find a social media platform, you can find somebody that will agree with you. So what? Who cares? I mean, think about the alternative, folks. Who's going to control all this? Who's going to manage it? It's tyranny. Think of the alternative. And by the way, the left always outmaneuvers us, we conservatives, because they're spending 24-7, every waking and sleeping minute, trying to figure out how to control us, and if you don't abide, how to destroy us. So I don't... I don't I don't know what they think we should be doing. Uh, but, you know, when the president, former president, Trump calls uh, the fake news fake news, they compare him to Hitler. And yet some of those publications actually protected Hitler. But what if it is fake news? What if it is exactly as President Trump has said? The answer is it is. Tomorrow we're going to spend more time on the debt issue so I can go over it yet again. And I'm not going to name names, but I was watching a cable program and there was a Democrat on the cable show and this particular host likes to be viewed as bipartisan, nonpartisan, maybe even bisexual. I don't know. Definitely bi. And the the Democrat went on about the good faith and credit of the United States that we don't want to uh, go broke and if the Republicans don't raise the debt ceiling, that's what's going to happen. Of course, the Democrats don't want to cut any spending. And so I need to confront this again. Because these people are destroying America, literally. Another book, Plunder and Deceit. You may have heard of it. They wouldn't do this to their own families. They wouldn't do it to their own children and grandchildren in their own personal lives with their own finances. But they'll do it to the rest of us. It's a very weird psychology on the left. And not just the left, the rhinos and even some conservatives. It's a very weird psychology. 
which is, as individual human beings, we can't live that way, we can't spend that way, it's irrational. But as the collective of human beings, through the government, we can certainly do that. There's no such thing as limits to spending and debt. And we've seen past societies collapse as a result of that. In Germany, even Zimbabwe, Greece. Remember all of a sudden people woke up and in Greece, remember this Mr. Producer? Half of their savings were removed by the government. They just took half of everybody's savings. Because they didn't have any money left. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Welcome back, America. We have with us Harmeet Dillon, who is a fantastic lawyer who has been suing on behalf of people and for liberty for some time. Harmeet, welcome. Aren't you out of San Francisco? Isn't that correct? Yes, I am in San Francisco. So you see the hell that's unleashed by the hard left. You're living it, aren't you? I, I sure am. And, you know, actually, for most of the time that my husband and I have lived here, it's been a beautiful city. I used to walk to work from my home. But over the last two years and during COVID, it has really just gone down the drain. It's not safe anymore. And so it's, it's very sad to see what's happened to one of America's most beautiful cities. It really is. I mean, even Union Square and so forth, it's a, it's a disaster. My wife and I were there, oh, 16, 17 months ago. And I spent a short time in California before that, years before, and I said, what the hell has happened to this city? It's like night and day, and it didn't take long, right? No, it happened very quickly, and, uh, you know, what's also happened to accelerate the decline is that the well-paid tech workers who really kept the downtown safe and clean and alive and all the restaurants open and the shops, they've all left because of work from home during COVID, and they're not coming back, and that's probably good for them terrible for the city's tax base and terrible for the quality of life for the rest of us who are still here. Where are they going to get the $5 million per uh, person for reparations? Where is that going to come from? <laughs> anyway, I want to talk uh, to you about what you, you're doing here. Our meet, ladies and gentlemen, as many of you know, is running t- to be the boss over there at the Republican National Committee. And um, tell us how that's going and tell us why you're doing it. Well, thanks. The first why I'm doing it is we've been losing elections for the last six years. There's been almost no turnover in in tactics or staff over there at the RNC. We haven't had a contested leadership election in 12 years. And you see the results of that in Congress. A lack of competition results in capture, results in crony capitalism, results in uh, really a lack of fresh thinking. And that's, that's a problem afflicting the RNC right now. And I've been very supportive of the chair. You know, President Trump selected her. Normally, when you lose the White House, the chair of the RNC leaves so that we can have some fresh ideas and fresh leadership. She didn't leave. And uh, she promised us she's running for a third term and final term two years ago. And so it was with great surprise that I and many other members learned that uh, we're, we're looking at yet another two years of the same tactics, the same consultants putting up shell companies and LLCs and sucking down tens of millions of dollars of cash in a gulp and for what results you know i'm I'm just not able to accept mediocrity and loss and so that's why i stepped up i think i can do a better job 
And I think I have some changes that I'd like to make to tighten things up, to audit the place, to focus on getting our ballots into the ballot boxes as early as possible so that we aren't voting on one day when Democrats are voting on 35 days and generally make the party win again. That's that's the focus. And and so as to the part of your question as to how it's going, well, I started on December 5th. I announced on Tucker Carlson's show and I had zero supporters except for myself. And today we're in a very competitive race. We're picking up votes every day. Um, incumbency is an advantage. That's true. But people are also tired of losing and they're excited about the opportunity to make a change here. And many of us feel like it's our fiduciary duty to do so. So I feel encouraged going into the race next week. We have an election in about uh, nine days. Uh, Mark, and I feel like it's going really well. The, the momentum is with us. Tell the American people who votes and how do they vote? So the voters at the RNC are 168 members. We have 50 states and three and six territories, and we have three members from each of those. And so it's a majority vote. So you have to get 84 votes to win. And that that is assuming everybody is there and all proxies are returned. And so it's really just a matter of we have three candidates right now who qualified myself, Ronna, Romney McDaniel, the incumbent, and, uh, and, and Mike Lindell. So we will have a candidate forum. Uh, Ronna does not want to debate, uh, Mike and I, and so she's not doing that. So we're going to have a closed-doors candidate forum, not open to the press. And then we are going to have a, a, a session of voting. And if uh, one person wins on the first ballot, a majority, then that's it. If nobody wins on the first ballot, then we will have successive ballots until we have a winner. So that's that's how it works. Very interesting. Now, uh, how I, I saw something or read something on the air about the kind of money that's being spent really wasted by the RNC. Can you uh, shed more light on that? Well, I think the story you saw was from, there were a couple of stories in Red State, and I'll talk about that, but then I'll talk about the bigger scandal and the money at the RNC. So Red State just did looked at the FEC reports and found that there were millions of dollars being spent on private jets, limousines, $800,000 on floral arrangements, a lot of money on, like, workout gear, top golf, retreats for the senior staff, two of them at the Salamander Resort of, of totaling hundreds of thousands of dollars. And there's other stuff that hasn't even come out yet, $17 million in, memen- in mementos, donor mementos. And so, you know, this caused an uproar. The party's response was, well, that's Trump's fault, because when you have the White House, you have to pay for all of these knickknacks and doodads and, and, and um, you know, Easter egg hunt and White House Christmas parties, et cetera. And so there was a second story, Mark, and, and, and examined that, and, and he found out that actually that's a whole separate category of spending, believe it or not. Yeah, it's true. When the party's in power and your your guys in the White House, you shell out for the Christmas parties and the Easter egg hunt, but that's a different category. That's a whole separate $5 million. And so even after Trump left the White House, we still spent millions of dollars on what I would consider to be frivolous stuff funded by donor money. We still pay for luxurious staff retreats for these these 30-something and 20-something staffers. And I don't know how about you, but when I was a young person at that age, I wasn't, you know, blowing $1,000 a night at, of other people's money at the Four Seasons no. Hotel and the Salamander Resort and, and, and doing it on donor dollars. I run a nonprofit, 
And in my nonprofit, we don't spend our donor dollars that way. And so I'm kind of shocked to see that happening at the RNC. But the bigger scandal, Mark, is the hundreds of millions of dollars that we give away to political consultants, really a click of them, a handful of them. And then they, they get criticized in the press. So they start another LLC. And then they get paid through that LLC. And then somebody finds out about that. Then they start a third LLC. And it's just the shell game of trying to avoid scrutiny of non-competitively bid contracts. And this is all, by the way, I wouldn't really care if we were winning elections, frankly. It's still not good, but I wouldn't be talking about it right now. We're losing elections. We're not changing the players. And there's no sense of accountability. All we get is excuses. Well, I knocked on more doors. I turned out more Republican voters. Blah, blah, blah. But if you didn't win elections, then you, you lost. I mean, there's no extra credit for having four plays you know, without moving the ball forward in in the game. So I might, I might add that the RNC often takes credit for things that had absolutely nothing to do with. I remember when Cuccinelli almost won the, uh, the governorship of Virginia. And I remember uh, the former RNC chair taking credit for that. And I went on the air and said, I worked on that campaign. You were no damn where to be found, and neither was the RNC. What the hell are you talking about? Don't hang up, Harmeet Dillon. We want to continue to talk to her about this very, very important race. We'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals, and listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I'm with Harmeet Dillon, who is a fantastic attorney. You can hear how articulate she is. And uh, she wants to clean up the RNC, but also wants to make sure that we take advantage of the rules that are in place in every state to get our votes out, uh, and rather rather than stand flat-footed. And uh, that means in many instances you're going to have to influence the state parties to do that and state legislatures correct oh absolutely i mean under our constitutional scheme it is the state legislatures that are responsible for setting the election laws in a state and too much uh, of the time during covid particularly judges did that governors did that uh, legislators, the legislatures did it, but in violation of their state constitutions. And it just, it just flowed because the Republican Party and, frankly, campaigns 
did nothing to stop it. I, I don't know what the, the I don't know what the theory was. I wasn't a paid or retained person in these campaigns in 2020. I was just a volunteer. But I think everyone just hoped it would change or go away or I don't know what it was. a suspended alternate reality. But it but it was very much real and it's very much with us today. So for all the excuses you can make about 2020 being time of war and chaos and that's the excuse, there was no such excuse for 2020 and 2022, Mike. And yet we still. Um, Mark, and yet we still uh, we still bungled it. We still did not prepare. We did not make election operations a year-round effort. We did not invest the resources that were necessary to prepare the states to get it right. Democrats continue to keep changing the rules and tinker them and invest tremendous resources in getting their ballots in in day one. You hear the excuse, Mark, of uh, candidate quality as the reason why we didn't win. But look at the quality of the candidates the Democrats got elected. Uh, Joe Biden uh, in 2020, uh, John Fetterman, who could hardly even speak in 2022, uh, Katie Hobbs. You have you have horrible people like Raphael Warnock, a totally unfit person. These are the people the Democrats were able to get elected. Their candidate quality doesn't matter. And while I don't want to say that should ever be the case on our side, we have better candidates. But if we were better at the mechanics of elections, which there's no reason that we shouldn't be, we would be able to get some of our candidates elected too, no matter how bad they were. And so I'm committed as job one to elevating the, what is now sort of seasonal farm worker job of election day operations into a full-time year-round election operations director-level position at the Republican National Committee. We're going to devote resources to it year-round. We're going to train states that have these new methods of voting ballot harvesting, early voting, uh, 100% uh, mail balloting, what have you, ballot curing. This is another thing that is happening in all mail ballot states. Train them how to do it, do it well, and let's beat the Democrats at it. We don't have a choice. This isn't, this isn't a debating society. I know how I'd like it to be. I think mail balloting is less secure, and particularly where you don't have cleaned up voter rolls like we don't have in most of America, it's problematic, but it's better than losing. So we got to compete. And so I feel very passionately about that, Mark. Mark. You know, I, I uh, you can call me Mike. I don't care as long as you don't call me a bad name. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I don't get the sense that there's a lot of vitality or energy or motivation in the RNC today. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm just a pedestrian out here. I just don't get the sense that they're a big player the way they ought to be. I get the well, sense that, let me, let yeah. me tell you what I've heard from, from inside yeah. the building, Mark. Uh, it is that it is, it is like the other offices in D.C. It's, it's a government worker mentality for many of the workers there. It's like, oh, my gosh, it's five minutes to five. Time to get my sneakers on and start my next you know, part of the evening. I mean, those of us who work in private industry, how hard you work, how hard I work, it's not like that. we got to stay there till the job gets done. I want people to come to the RNC to work, to be passionate about it, but it's not a lifetime job. Be passionate about it and then, you know, get some skills, do something good for your country and then move on. But we don't want your talent to go away, but we have to find out ways to harness this and expand the universe of people who can do this stuff well. Some people say to me, why don't we have election lawyers helping me in my state? Well, the answer is you expected them to drop their laptops uh, at their real day jobs and come work for you for two weeks around an election cycle like an unpaid militia. And in the real world, people can't run their homes that way. You have to pay them. 
And so nobody ever thought it would be a good idea to retain lawyers. And as a result, when Mark Elias has an unlimited budget to do whatever he wants, and people like Ken Cuccinelli and I have to, like, you know, scrounge around to find some change in the seat cushions to find money to do litigation, then you have a problem. And there's no need for that. The political consultants are buying their third homes in Salt Lake City on the ski slopes and, you know, and the Caribbean. And we're not competing because they get paid whether they win or lose. I, you see list rental prices for some of these consultants. They're like selling their list for $13 million, $15 million at a pop. These are, these are people who are taking the party's resources for that instead of like the basic building blocks of how do you get the ballots into the ballot box. It's pretty simple. So these are things that I would change. And as you can imagine, the entire political consulting establishment has jumped into this race on the other side and is spreading all kinds of, you know, propaganda because I'm threatening their livelihoods and rightfully Mm -hmm. so it should have been threatened before today. Well, let us here on the uh, Levin show help you out a little bit. I want to strongly endorse you over the air here. I just think it's time for some new blood and enthusiasm and ideas and anything to defeat the, uh, the opposition because the opposition is trying to destroy the country. It's that simple. I just don't see the energy out of the RNC. I don't see the presence uh, and and this isn't a put down to the current chairwoman. I don't even know her. Uh, we need people who can actually speak and make the case for the American people. We don't have a lot of leaders on this side that can do that. So, Harmeet Dillon, I want to endorse you strongly. Go to DillonForRNC.com, D-H-I-L-L-O-N for RNC.com. And the vote is when? The vote is January 27th, so it's a week Friday, and I wanted to say I am very honored by your endorsement, Mark. It means a lot to me and to my followers, so I really appreciate that very much. I hope it doesn't hurt you. (laughs) You never know these days. Well, anyway, God bless, and we wish you all the best, and we'll keep keep an eye on this. We'll monitor this. Go get them. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for your time today. All right. Take care. She sounds like a real go-getter to me, doesn't she, to you, Mr. Producer? And has some great ideas, and she's hit the nail on the head with a lawyer situation. Now, we got to prepare for these Mark Elias types. How many times have I talked about this? How many years have I talked about this? That they're bringing hundreds of lawsuits and so forth and so on. So uh, let's hope she can, she can win this. Harmeet Dillon. That's D-H-I-L-L-O-N for R-N-C dot com. Dylan for R-N-C dot com. And I think she'd be great. Get a few new uh, voices in there. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. We've been trying to get an update on uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe of Florida, Republican, who uh, prior to getting into politics was a great hero, military man, uh, combat. He fell off his roof, his house in Florida. He was found by an aide. That's the language the report uses. And he was taken to the hospital. I have no idea what his condition is. Uh, We're not getting any updates. Um, But most people who fall off a roof 
get very badly hurt. I have no idea what his condition is. But I'm bringing it up because we wish him well. Um, I don't like the way that story's written. That he was found by an aide. Uh, so who knows? We'll, f- we'll know by tomorrow. Hopefully, God willing, hopefully he's okay. Let's take a few calls here. Let us go to Stephanie, Fort Thomas, Kentucky, on the Mark Levin app. Stephanie, how are you? Oh, my goodness. I love you so much. Thank you. My husband's kind of jealous. I always say that, but I say he has a beautiful wife, so don't worry. Yes, my wife is Um, beautiful, and I'm sure you're beautiful with your husband. I'm sure you're a great couple. Yes, we are. Um, I was reading an article today. It was on that M-E-A-W-W, and the quote was, World Economic Forum is an open conspiracy internet uh, reacts to, quote, bizarre Davos theories. So anyway, it went on to say Time and Associated Press has said that Davos event has become a target of, quote, bizarre claims. But this guy on Twitter posts something, and it is actually Klaus Schwab in his own words. And he is saying um, the fourth industrial revolution has one big challenge, and he pauses. It is the holding out of the middle class. During this, this happened in 2016. Biden's there. He talks about how Biden's been one of the hardest workers of Davos, you know, getting up early and doing this, that, and the other. Then Mm -hmm. Biden speaks, and he's talking about the World Economic Forum defines this fourth industrial revolution as change fueled by a digital revolution. And Mm -hmm. Biden says there are two questions to ask. One, what will this revolution transform? How, you know, will it transform the global economy? Number two, will it change it for the better or worse for humanity as a whole? There's a reason why Biden chose his buddy Kerry for this sort of gadfly position to go around the world. There's a reason why Biden chose all these Obama radicals and Marxists to serve in these high-level positions. There's a reason why he's surrounded by these people at the White House rather than people who really ever worked real jobs and so forth. He talks the game, but he doesn't mean it. And that's because uh, Joe Biden fancies himself one of these elitists, even though he's as dumb as a doorknob. But he's managed through our system to crawl his way all the way up to the presidency. And this is the problem. I've talked about this for years and years. This is a degrowth movement. It is an anti-capitalism movement. They hate the original Industrial Revolution that occurred 150 and 100 years ago over the course of about half of a century. Uh, They hate those men. They hate capitalism. They hate what was done. And so they're forcing us to regress. And so these advances that we've made with HVAC systems and air conditioning and heating and heating and these advances we've made with gas stoves, these advances we've made with uh, the combustion engine and, and all the rest of it, they're undoing them. And I don't think it's a, a coincidence that at the same time they're controlling the Internet with the FBI and other government entities to stop us from thinking for ourselves, from having competing ideas, for challenging the federal government, specifically the the Democrats, whether it's health issues or any other issues. 
There's a reason for this. There's a reason why they're going to attack mobility, our ability to drive. They're going to drive up the cost. Our ability to go to places that are freer, states that are freer, our ability to build the kinds of homes we want, where we want to build them, and how many automobiles we want to have, and what kind of automobiles we want to have. The floodgates are open now. They're absolutely open now. And this is one of the things that we really have to key off on. Stephanie, thank you for your call. Really right on. I appreciate it. Let us continue, shall we? Uh, Yes, we can. Bill, Franklin, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. I want two questions answered by the environmentalists and climate change planners. First is, there were 2020, there were 280 million fossil fuel passenger and light truck vehicles. How long is it going to take us to convert all of them to electric? And two, they're not going to convert them. When you're done with your car, the only kind of car you're going to be able to purchase, at least new car, is going to be these electric cars. These are the laws they're passing. So those of us who have the combustion engines and gasoline, in a decade or two, uh, we're going to be like living in uh, Cuba, you know, with old cars and so forth. If you want a new car, you're going to have to buy an electric car. It's absurd. The amount of pollution is absurd. The amount of destitution it's going to create and all the rest of it. I want to thank you, Bill. I got to go. We salute all you heroes out there. I want to thank you for listening and God bless each and every one of you. I'll see you tomorrow. Be well.